buddy. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It reads as follows. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes. The earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down. It hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, it goes round to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. The word of the Lord. Solomon, king of Israel, son of David, sitting upon his father's throne, he asked the Lord for something. The Lord says to Solomon, what would you have of me? And Solomon does not pray for might. He does not pray for riches. He, does, he prays instead for wisdom, and God gives him wisdom. And Solomon, in his wisdom, writes three books of the Bible. He writes the Proverbs, right? A book of great wisdom help us live our actual lives. He writes a book we'll talk about next week called The Song of Solomon, which is all about, like, love and marriage and intimacy. Woo. As an old man, Solomon writes this book called Ecclesiastes. Now, I am not an old man. I'm 41 years old. But I'm not a young man either. Age changes perspective, right? Like, when I was 20, I loved staying up to see the sunrise. When I was 20, I loved spending money I didn't have just for an adventure. I remember in college, uh, it was finals weekend. And I'm like, hey, you guys, want to go to New York? Why? I don't know. Bored? We jumped in the car, drove to New York, saw the Niagara Falls, and drove home. For no reason. Because we're young, dumb, and free. When I was 20, I'd go camping, sleep on a picnic table, didn't give a rip. I'm 40 now. I haven't seen the sun rise in 10 years. <laughs> when I'm 40, at 10 o'clock, I'm like, man, it's time to go to bed, yo. I need, I need my eight hours. I'm like, it's like I'm regressing back to kindergarten. I got to go to bed early, and if I'm lucky, I might get a nap at noon, baby, you know? <laughs> I think about money. Can I afford this? Camping is now something I will only do 
if there's a cabin or a travel trailer involved. I'm not sleeping on the earth. I'm not, if, if, I, if at 41 I sleep on the earth, I'm gonna wake up and I will not be able to move. If a bear comes, I'll be like, hold on. Like, getting old changes things. Solomon, his life is a very unique life to watch. As a young man, he loves the Lord. He honors God very much. In his midlife, he kind of leaves the Lord, you know? The Bible says he loved many strange women and they drew his heart away from the Lord. He, he would often, um, Solomon would, the Egyptian king wanted a truth to Solomon. So he's like, he's like, hey, listen, marry my daughter. The king of Egypt said, marry my daughter. We'll have peace between our nations. So he'd marry the Egyptian pharaoh's daughter and the Moabites king's daughter. He married all these, like, these powerful women to get all these treaties. It said that Solomon had like a couple hundred wives and many more concubines. And each wife he had worships some foreign god and he'd build a temple for each god of each wife he married. And they turned, he turned his heart away from God. He went after Molech and Baal and all these other foreign gods. But in his old age, he comes back to the God of his youth. In his old age, he's like, what was I thinking? And he returns back to God and he writes this book. In this book, he has a very important question. What is the meaning of life? I've been quoting this book all for the last two weeks. I quote it to my barbershop dude, to like family members I got that aren't believers, and even my unbelieving buddies and friends will engage me about this book. Because it's about ideas, it's about philosophy, it's about what matters in life, and even an unbeliever will ask that question. When I was a kid, I remember watching Conan the Barbarian, and they argued about that question. Conan, what is the greatest thing in life? I won't quote it because it's inappropriate for church, but it was funny. Um, what is the meaning of life? And Solomon's answer is surprising. He starts off saying, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This word vanity, it's a Hebrew word, it means vapor. Uh, we went camping Friday night. <sighs> um, went to Battle Creek, to Fort Custer. And it was a whole thing. We were planning to leave at 2, two o'clock. We were going to leave. It was going to be great. I'm driving home at 2 o'clock. Angie calls. She's like, uh, I'm going to the doctor. I'm like, what's up? I think Lena broke her arm. I'm like, I guess we ain't leaving at 2. Um, so Lena did break her arm. She's got a cast on. So it's it a good dude. She took like a champ. She comes, like she, got, she heard it. She, she, she said, you felt, she felt it break. She comes in, she goes, Mom, I think I broke my arm, I gotta go to the doctor. I mean, didn't yell, didn't cry. I asked her, did you, did you really not yell? No. I'm like, dang, you bad. Um, <laughs> she told me it was the worst pain ever felt. Didn't, you, 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 she can, poker player is what she is. When she's 18, we're going to Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, so she, she got a cast, we left late, went camping. But we was all, it was all like flustered, like we left in a hurry because you know, broken bone and all this stuff. So we leave, we get there, I didn't bring a toothbrush, I didn't bring shoes, I didn't bring a sweater. It was like 50 degrees in Battle Creek last night. And I had no sleeves. I was cold, like I remember it was getting late and I would talk and I would see 
my breath. I haven't seen my breath in four months, five months. Oh, there, I remember that. And when you, when, you, when you breathe in the cold, your breath comes out and it just disappears, right? It just goes away. That's this word vanity, vapor. It just goes away. It's meaningless. Solomon begins this great epic poem by saying, meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless. And you're like, jeez. But if we get honest, we've all felt that before. That why am I doing this? What does it all mean? Why does it matter? He asks this question. He says, what does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? What's the purpose of all this work we do in this life? All the effort, all the strength, all the sorrow. What does it matter? And it's not merely hypothetical. He's going to answer the question. Here's the answer to the question. What does a man gain? Here's the answer. A generation goes, a generation comes, the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down. The wind blows to the south, the wind goes to the north, around and around it goes. A stream runs to the sea, the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, and there they flow again. Here's his, here's his answer, he gives these pictures of these, what, sameness. Things just go around and around and around and nothing ever changes. He says, there's nothing new under the sun. We keep going around this thinking, um, what is that thing called at the, at the park? You spin it and the kids fly off the merry-go-round. I don't know how you play with the merry-go-round, that's how we play with the merry-go-round. You spin it fast and the kid shoots off, then the game's over. Um, it's, it's, like, it's like, it's life, like, he describes life like a merry-go-round. It goes round and round and round it goes. That's a very awful way to view life. I don't want to think of life as this, this one year I live over and over again. I want to think that life is going somewhere. He's like, man, it just goes round and round. To use a metaphor that is as... Um, Tragic as these metaphors, I'll use, I'll use a, a modern Sol Solomonic proverb, okay? Like the water in the toilet bowl, circle, 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 flush. That's his thing for life. You're like, man, it can't, it can't be this bad. But you read the whole book, and man, Solomon just... He spends time going after every single thing people use to give their life meaning, and he burns it down. Will wisdom make my life worth living? He says, I have read the books. I have sat at the feet of scholars. It has brought me nothing. Vanity. He'll say often, it's like chasing after the wind. Again, a meaningless task, right? You can't catch the wind. Oh, I go, blah, blah, blah. He says, pleasure. And Solomon knew a little bit about pleasure. Solomon, whatever food he wanted, whatever he wanted, was, he's a king. I watched this movie once about the White House. And the president in the movie would order these crazy meals that always come made just the way he asked. And he said, like, the White House, it, the kitchens, it has every food under the man, because whatever whim the president has, they make the food he wants. At one point in the movie, he orders a shark steak sandwich. And they bring it up, 
And it's on like Grey Poupon with big bread. And I was like, I want to be the president because I would like to be able to say, I, whatever food I feel like. If it's two in the morning, I'm like, I want a red and Coke Slurpee mix and it's right there for me. He says, even that pleasure, eating what you want to eat, drinking what you want to drink, kissing who you want to kiss, even that gets old, he says. There's a movie, another movie, I watch a lot of movies. It's an old Italian film by a guy named Fellini. And the movie was really, uh, it's in Italian, so you gotta read the, the, the English at the bottom. And there's this young man who is just, he's a photographer, traveling, he's traveling to Italy, he's traveling to like Naples and Rome and all these famous Italian cities. And everywhere he goes, he meets new people and like just drinks and meets beautiful women. And every episode, like it's, the movie's like three episodes. He goes to a new city, meets new people, new friends, drinks, has crazy adventures, goes to another city, drinks, new women, new adventures. And every time he leaves, he's sad. Because all this newness, all the, the dumbness and the bigness of life, it feels old. Because here's the reality. Whatever life you have gets old. Listen. Some people tell me, I'm a decent preacher. Thank you for saying that. But if we're together for a while, I'm going to get old. You're going to know how I talk. You're going to hear my funny stories. Every preacher gets old. Every job gets old. Every relationship gets old. That happens. And Solomon in his book says... It does get old. It feels, like this, it, feels like, it feels like going around and around in a circle all the time. And you read the book and you're like, well, Solomon, this book makes me want to like not do anything. What's up with that? Now, I want to say something about this book is that it's intellectually very honest. And one of the keys to understanding the point of this book, uh, Ecclesiastes is an epic poem, which means... You can't just go into this book, grab a little tidbit, and walk out. If you go in this book, grab a tidbit, it might make you want to end your life. It's so discouraging. This thing is meant to be eaten in one big meal. You got to walk with Solomon from the beginning all the way to the end. If you leave too early, you will not understand the point he's trying to make. Epic poetry, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. These books require the reader to get on and not. It's like, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like bucking a wild bronco. You can't let go of that bad boy. If you get off too early, you miss the point. There's a phrase in this book you see repeated over and over again. It was two times in these first 11 verses. It's the phrase, under the sun. Listen to verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? This phrase, repetition, under the sun, under heaven. I guess the key of understanding the point of the book. It's almost saying any one of the gifts God gives, and he gives many, he gives us marriage and family. He gives us food and drink. He gives us wealth and wisdom. 
all these good gifts God gives, if we take one of those good gifts and try to make it our everything, it will not satisfy. This life under the sun, separated from God, cannot bring satisfaction or contentment. The good gifts God gives, divorced from his presence, become a curse instead of a blessing. Things like intimacy, a very enjoyable thing. If you take intimacy and separate it from commitment, covenant, and obedience, it breaks it. It can become a slave driver instead of a beautiful gift. Alcohol. Oh, let's get, let's, let's get a little um, controversial. Alcohol was meant to be a gift from the Lord. But abused, it ceases to be a gift, doesn't it? Abused becomes an a, a, a overseer, a taskmaster, a ruler of our lives. Most drugs started off as prescriptions to help humans with things like pain. Even, like, even marijuana helps cancer patients get an appetite. A lot of the drugs we have were made for good things. But abused, they burn people's lives down, don't they? These good gifts, if they become ultimate, they kill us. They cannot satisfy. Family. Family's a gift. Having a spouse or children, a gift from the Lord. If you make your family your God, it will disappoint you. I've seen people make their kids their God. It's their purpose, their meaning. Well, guess what? Those kids leave. They grow up and they say, peace, and they're out. But you're all I got. Well, that's, you're weird, and they're out. They can't be your everything because they leave. I tell my kids all the time. My kids want to go to McDonald's. Angie wants the bell. I, we go to the bell. Why do you always go where mom wants to go? Because you guys are going to leave me. She'll still be here. That's why. <laughs> I talk a lot of trash in my house. <laughs> but even spouse thing. I love my wife. God has given me a gift in Angie. Given me a gift. I'm grateful for Angie. In a thousand ways I can never fully speak. But I can't even make her my everything. Because death can take either one of us away. And if I make her my all, first of all, if I, if I, if I make her my all, if I make her my God, what do I do when she fails me or lets me down? Because everyone lets everyone down. Try to make someone your God, they can't be God. Because they're made of flesh and bone. They're going to forget stuff. If she made me her God, boo. <laughs> out of 21 anniversaries, I've forgotten one so far. Like, forgot it. Like, oh, we got married today? Pete, it was awesome. Like, like it was great. 
Sorry, I forgot our anniversary. Even that, I said, God, you gave me this gift. I'm grateful for it. But this, Angie cannot be my everything because whether it be cancer or an accident, that's what happens. It takes us away from one another. Will I then curse God because the gift is gone or be grateful for the time I had with the great gift he gave? The gift cannot become the everything. If you take any good gift God made under the sun and try to make that your ultimate, it will fail you. And some of us take a long time to learn that. I have seen people leave their, abandon their families, leave their spouses saying things like, well, I'm not happy and God wants me to be happy, so I'm out. As though happiness is something you can actually catch because you can't. I've got a great wife, I have great kids, and some days it gets old. Some days, my awesomely awesome kids frustrate me to no end. You come, I go to, go to the table to eat, and there's boxes of cereal and milk stains, and I'm like, there's one rule in the house. Clean up after yourselves. And it's never done. You get frustrated. If I make them my everything, it'll only lead to frustration and pain. Under the sun, life is meaningless. Whatever thing you try to make your everything is going to fail you. Whether success or pleasure or strength. I knew a man, a strong man. His whole life, strong and able. He could provide for his family. Whenever someone needed him, he was there. And he got Lou Gehrig's disease. Which means his muscles stopped working. He went from a strong man to a weak man to a wheelchair to unable to speak and look, for him, his identity was his power. When he lost his power, he was lost. He put all his hope in his own strength, and even that failed him, because it does. I, we can't put our faith in any of the gifts God gives us, because all of it is fleeting. So if, if nothing down here can give us meaning or value, then what is the meaning of life? You read the whole book, and I think, listen, if you're reading the Bible with us, we read Ecclesiastes three times this week. Uh, we have a um, Bible reading plan, which is on the um, welcome table as you leave. Actually, it's Julie's my backpack. I'll put it over there when we're done. With, I got it right here. We have our August reading plan. You can go online on Facebook every day. We post our reading for the day. We have a free app you can download off our website as you listen to the Bible in your headphones when you drive or whatever. If you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you feel the up and the down, the meaningless but, meaningless but, and you're like, well, what is the meaning? At the very end of all of it, because again, you gotta hang on to the very end. Chapter 12 and verse 13, he even says, here's the end of the matter. He tells you, here's the end. The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. At the end of all, he says, listen, what gives life meaning? Being rightly related to God. And that's it. 
know God, obey God, and do what he says. And if you are rightly related to God, the rest just falls into place. What does Jesus say? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. If you make any of the gifts the center, it will not satisfy. But if the Lord God, if that relationship is centered in your life, you get to truly enjoy all the other gifts. I'm going to use a ridiculous metaphor. A ridiculous metaphor. I, as a 41-year-old man, I have a good credit score. Like, deep, like, deep, like good. Like, like, I'm winning the game. If, it were, if there was a game... And there was like, on the line, it was like a top 10. I'm in the top 10 for credit scores in the world. Not really, but it feels that way. Because I have a good credit score. It's wild what happens for me. I can go to the bank and say, hey, bank, I want to buy something stupid. Can I have some money? They'll be like, yeah, here's some money. And I'll be like, sweet. Having that good credit score unlocks all kinds of opportunities for our family. Having that good credit score allows me to, if my car got blown up tomorrow by a lightning bolt, like in my house uh, last week, the storms, a tree fell on my neighbor's car. And I was like, that was one house almost bad. No, I'm just kidding. It was bad. Um, but if that, that, that the tree fell on my car and smoked my van, whoa, I'd be like, I'd go down to the guy, the, the car sale guy. I'm like, can I buy that car? You need a credit score. Yes, you may. And they'd give me the car. I'd drive away and own money for eight, you know, eight years, whatever it is nowadays. Having a good credit score unlocks all these good things for our family. Allows me to, like, when I was young, when I was 20, I had, I had terrible credit. I was a young fool. Because I had no credit, I couldn't rent an apartment. Went to an apartment complex. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let me rent. I, I could show. I make money every month. They don't, we don't care. Your credit's bad. I couldn't buy a car, couldn't get an apartment. It made our life so hard having no credit. Having good credit makes, I get to enjoy all these gifts that the baking industry wants to give to me, I guess. I don't know. When you walk right with God, it's like all the gifts he gives become brighter and truer. We always say in our house, like Angie knows when me and God aren't talking, she says, you stop loving the things you love. When me and God don't talk, all the things I enjoy start tasting bad. I can't enjoy his gifts without him being the heartbeat of my heart. You understand? The food doesn't taste good. Board games aren't fun. TV shows don't make me laugh. Like all the good things he gives, if I'm removed from him, they lose the shine that comes only from being rightly related to him. Meaning in life comes from being with God. I want to end by saying this. I go to Philippians 4 to bring this home. The New Testament, Paul says the following. He says this. He, Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. 
I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you read Ecclesiastes, the, the King Solomon will say, is, can pleasure give you joy? And it's like, no. Wisdom? No. Sneaking money? No. At the end of every one of those nose dives, he begins pulling up the plane. You're like, you feel like you're going down this roller coaster, like, we're all gonna die. And he's like, we don't die. At the end of every section, he says, eat, drink, enjoy your work. And you're like, how can I eat, drink, enjoy my work if everything's meaningless? But he's getting us to the very end. He's trying to say to us, if you're with the Lord, if you're with God, If you're with the Lord, if you're, for us, if you're in Christ, whatever he's given you, be grateful for it. Be content with whatever thing he has given you to do with this life. A lot of us think that bigness means meaningfulness. I have so many, like, I'm a pastor. I have pastors tell me, we'll pray for your ministry to grow. If you'd have more influence and power. And I'm like, I don't want you to pray for that. Because a servant's, the largeness of a servant's platform does not make the work more meaningful. Being faithful to whatever he's given. To whatever he's given you. There are, there are, there are unpaid pastors in rural Michigan, week in, week out, coming and doing the work of the Lord, and no one knows their name, and no one sings their praise. There's 13 people in the church, and they're going to die for the Lord, and they'll just say, well done, good and faithful servant. In our life right now, I get to travel and preach. I go to India and preach. And for years, my wife has been at home lovingly raising two children in the Lord. And she's planted those trees and they are growing into godly oaks. Now I may be doing this. There was this um, artistic conference and everyone went around the tables and everyone said, what are you doing for the Lord's work? And everyone answered these big, like, I'm writing theology. It was, it was like showing off. Like everyone's like, I'm doing these great things for the Lord. And this, this one lady gets to her and she says, I'm raising three children under the instruction and admonition of the Lord. And everyone was like, are you doing it? Does it seem the, the world may never say, you bad. But she bad. She's doing what God has called her to do. That faithfulness is what matters. Faithfulness to what God has called you to do. In Christ, I encourage all of us to be content with what God has given you. And listen, wherever God has given you, there will be days when it feels old and moldy. Doing God's work, like the everydayness of life makes life hard, doesn't it? Because life is so everyday. If you followed us around, me and Angie, there's a video camera in our house, it'd be the most boring show in the world. 
It'd be getting the kids ready for school, packing lunch. What's the weather? Should I wear shoes or sandals? Oh, I think you should wear shoes. Like, it's the most boring crap in the world. But it's our boring crap, and it's awesome. You know what I'm saying? It gets old. But that, all that oldness, all that everydayness, it builds underneath Christ's loving gaze. It is given unbelievable beauty. It's not beautiful because it's so awesome. It's beautiful because God gave it to us and we're being faithful to care for that thing. Don't get itchy and want to jump ship just because life feels every day. Any life feels every day. Every life feels. I know guys who travel and, and like, I know guys who are rock and roll stars who travel city to city and guess what? Even the rock and roll life, guess what? Gets old. A new city every day. Eating out every meal. Gets stinking old. At the end of the matter, it's this. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the chief end of mankind. We're in Foot, Michigan. We live in a city that for a second... All of America cared about us, and they all left. They all left, didn't they? We were famous for like, what, six months? We had a presidential debate here in our city, and then everyone left, and we just keep on working here. I just want to encourage you by saying, be content with what Christ has given you. Be content in Christ. Rest in Christ. We have to learn as people to be satisfied in him. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough for you? Two years ago, after I had COVID, my vocal cords were, were wounded because of the coughing I did when I was sick. I tried to preach and only air would come out when I would talk. And I had, to go, I had to get ready for surgery. They told me the surgery, 50% of the time it goes very well, but if it goes wrong, you may never speak again. And for me, I'm a communicator. I'm a speaker. I talk. I enjoy laughing and being loud and telling stories. I'm like, what if I lost my voice? I thought, what if I lost the thing that makes me me? I was praying about it, and the Lord's like, your voice does not make you you. The Lord's like, even if you stopped preaching, am I enough for you? Without the title, without the work, would I still be enough for you? And I came to a place in, in, through prayer and, 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 and wrestling. I'm like, yes, Lord, you are enough. After that, I didn't have to be scared of the surgery anymore. Whatever happened, whatever happened, I'm like, whatever happens to me next, I trust he who called, and whatever my life looks like next, I trust that I'm in his hands even then. I encourage you. Follow the Lord, love the Lord, chase the Lord, obey the Lord, and in that, you will find meaning for your life. You may not find celebrity, you may not find your name in lights, but you will find a life worth living. With that said, let us pray.
Jesus, in you, we can do all things. In you, O oh Lord, we can love rebellious children. In you, O oh Lord, we can forgive thoughtless family members. In you, O oh Lord, we can work dead-end jobs and provide for our families. In you, O oh Lord, we can continue to try to make peace with our neighbors day after day. In you, we can answer to the call you've given us, no matter how mundane or small it may feel, whether caring for a relative, a child. Help us be satisfied with what you've given, that we may know the joy of this life that comes only in and through you. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.